of the world. This week's global stock market crash was spectacular. I don't know whether you saw it, but it was spectacular. Here in Australia alone, $60 billion was wiped off the stock market on Monday alone. Uh, And uh, uh, I know that my superannuation probably, because I don't look at it, I don't know how to look at it, but probably took a big hit. By Tuesday, 40 billion of the 60 that was lost had come back. And it all came back over the next few days. And I think I heard, and I tried to check it out before Sabbath yesterday, but I think I heard that the stock market actually ended almost in positive this week. And so it was a real roller coaster ride. But those I I talked to, and I talked to a number of people who are in the finance industry, some of them high banking industry, so they're in the know. They all say that sooner or later, our stock market and our finances are going to go over the cliff and they're not going to come back. And people are scared. And perhaps they should be when they contemplate that. Many of you woke up early this week to the news that in the United States of America, a 24-year-old TV reporter, Alison Parker, and her cameraman, she had a good job, they had good jobs. Alison was married, was engaged to be married to a young man who worked in the television station that she worked for. And many of us woke up to the news and some of you have watched it live because it was live on television as this young reporter did a report live on American breakfast television with thousands, perhaps millions of people watching her, how one of her work, previous workmates walked up with a, with a pistol and he shot her dead live on television and he shot her cameraman dead and he shot the lady that she was interviewing and fortunately she survived. But it was horrifying. And people see this and they are scared. And I think maybe they should be. It seems to me that from 2001, when 9-11 occurred onwards, our world has become a seething mass of sin and death. Mass shootings, robberies, rapes, home invasions, wars, barbarity, like I have never seen in my lifetime. Cruelty and death everywhere. And then there's sin and gross immorality. And it's advanced as normal and it's, it's legalised and legislated into law and those who oppose it are victimised and vilified. Where good has become bad and bad and wrong is now being lifted up as good like no other time in my lifetime. These are new experiences for me who was born into, was raised and live in a contemporary world. I have never seen a world like we 
are living in today. My grandfather was a pastor. He's passed away and gone to sleep to wait for the Lord. My father is a pastor, still living and preaching. I am a pastor, but if my grandfather, who's buried down there in Narrow, was woken up from the grave and he could see the times we live in, I think he would ask how Jesus hasn't already come. Because the world is a seething mass of sin. Even nature herself seems to be groaning. Droughts and floods and hurricanes and fires and global warming, or if you want, earth ageing. Everywhere we look, our world seems to be coming apart at the seams. Someone once told me about Enoch, you know, the patriarch before the flood and how he lived off in the country somewhere in a secluded place with his family where they would seek God and then every now and again Enoch would come back into the cities and would preach and call people to repentance and to the true God. I don't know about you today but I have a longing to do that too to escape what's going on in our cities and in our world. Do you have that longing too? I must be honest, if I wasn't the pastor here at New Hope, I think I'd be getting lizzy and we'd be moving out of this city into a secluded place like the farm where we could seek God in quietness and peace and only come into this morass that is our culture every now and again to call people to the Lord. But, but it's not my role, it's not my walk and I can't do it, but I have that longing and I think that longing I have for peace and rest to escape what's happening here in this world is a longing for Jesus and heaven. People are scared and have a reason to be. Our world is coming apart at the seams and even secular people who have no interest in God, atheists, evolutionists, they know it, something is wrong and they are scared. And they're not just scared, they're really, really fearful. And that's why you see such panic on our stock markets. It doesn't make sense, by the way, the panic. But it's there because people are scared, they're on edge, they're fearful. There was a thief, thief um, back in the 1800s, his name was Black Bart. Black Bart, Black Bart, I don't know if we've ever heard of him. He struck fear into the entire nation of the United States. You see, there was a Wells Fargo coach line that went from San Francisco to New York, a long journey to sit in a coach pulled by horses. And this Black Bart, between 1875 and 1883, he robbed these coaches 29 times. And he'd pull a, a hood over his head. No one ever knew who he was and he terrorised his victims. But here's the interesting thing. He never fired a shot. He was never pursued ever, ever by a lawman. The armed guards, when they'd see him approach, would lay their guns down and surrender and he was never caught. It is fear of what he might do that paralysed his victims. Now listen to me. This is, this is important. This is where I want to take you today. Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. It's a great prophecy. We're not looking at it today. But Daniel 12 verse 1 says this. It says that before Jesus comes, we will go through a time of trouble like the world has never seen. We're not there yet, but perhaps we're at the beginning of it. Now I want to say it again. Daniel 12 1. You can look at it in your Bibles. A time of trouble like the world has never seen. Now this is serious trouble. 
Finances will be worse than we've ever seen. Worse than the Great Depression of the 30s. There will be financial collapse. There will be lost jobs. There will be food shortages. There will be homelessness. You know, my grandmother lived through the, through the, uh, through the, um, Depression of the 30s. She told me she was the, the, the wife of a pastor. And she used to tell me how people would come to the door, knocking on the door, begging for food. She told me how people who had mortgages on houses and only had 15, 20, 30 dollars to pay were evicted from their homes and made homeless because they could not pay their debts to the bank. And yet the Bible says, and I don't want to over build this up, but I don't think I can. I don't think no matter what I say to you today, I can build up what we face, the time of trouble that we face. We are going to see financial collapse, lost jobs, food shortages, homelessness. There will be conflicts more horrifying than any the world has ever seen. And I'll begin with, I think we're beginning to see it. And you look at the war between the West and the East that's going right on in Syria and, and the Middle East and places. We're already seeing violence on both sides. The ability of the West to kill is beyond what it's ever been. And our armies and our air forces are enacting a, a terrible price on the people of those countries. You do know that, don't you? And then the barbarity that we see in return often on our, our, our television screens, it's going to get worse, not better. And when pastors get up the front in these great mega churches and they tell you that things are going to get better... They are wolves in sheep's clothing because they're not. And I don't want to be a preacher of the doomsday because I'm about to bring this right across in a minute. But there will be more natural disasters that are fiercer and stronger than the world has ever seen. Earthquakes, fires, floods, tsunamis. I didn't even know what a tsunami was until a few years ago. I kind of had an idea what a tidal wave was. What's a tsunami? And we all know what tsunamis are now because in our lifetime, they keep coming and they're going to come, they're going to be bigger and they're going to be more ferocious and they're going to, more people are going to perish. Drought. All these awful things are going to happen. And as they flicker, now, now hear me, because this is what I really want you to go away with today. As they flicker across our television and computer screens, don't do what America did with Black Bart. They surrendered to what? To fear. As these things flicker across our television and computer screens, we must make sure we do not surrender to fear. Do not surrender to fear. We are God's children. Amen. He has already shown us the way through. And he has already led one people to the promised land. And if he can lead one people to the promised land, he will lead his people, us, to the promised land today. You can be sure of it. And I want to look at a story for just a few moments that proves what I'm saying. It's found in Exodus 1, and if you have your Bibles, I want you to open it to Exodus chapter 1. As I say each week, don't rely on what's on the screen, that's for our, our live stream viewers. Exodus chapter 1, bring your Bibles to this church. Check what the preacher or the pastor is saying from your Bible, from your, from your phone, if that's where your Bible is. Exodus chapter 1, I'm reading from the NLT. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. 
They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labour. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramesses as supply centres for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. And the, most, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and to do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in all their demands. This is a story that's some thousands of years old. And you have the Israelites, the Hebrews in Egypt brought there by Jacob many generations before who had followed Joseph in the middle of a drought. They had stayed and they had grown to be a great people and the Egyptians, because of their fear, had made them slaves. And if you go to modern Egypt today, many of the pyramids and the ancient cities you see were built and made by the Hebrews who were slaves. They were born slaves, they lived slaves and they died slaves. Now today, I believe that most in this world are slaves too. Just as the Hebrews were slaves to the Egyptians, so many of us are slaves to this world. I think of the debt here in Australia that many people have over their heads. I'm told in the area that this church is. We serve from Borkham Hills, well from the from the top end of Borkham Hills in the south right through to Schofield, all this side of Windsor Road. I'm told that most houses today, if you were to go and buy, you've seen all the new houses being built out here? Do you know how much most of those houses cost? Somewhere around $1 million. I was talking to someone this week, I said, well, how, how do they pay for it? They must be getting paid better than me. Well, no, they're not. They... They take loans, and perhaps some of you are there, of seven and eight hundred thousand dollars and more to get into these homes. And it enslaves us, amen. And, and some of you got a mortgage, know what I'm talking about. Well, there's a slavery of addiction and sin. And we can be addicted to a lot of things food, shopping, sport, porn. Oh, someone once told me that um, pornography was 90% of the internet. Well, that's not exactly true. They think it's somewhere between 20 and 30%. But most men, men, I'm talking to you, have to face this at some time or another in their lives and make a decision whether they're going to be a slave of it or whether they're going to escape and be free. Slavery. We can be slaves to money, popularity, television, shopping. But I, I think in some sense we are slaves in a world we cannot get out of. And it's a world of sadness and heartache and pain and death. We are not designed for where we're living today. And we are slaves. Do you get what I'm saying? Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. The Hebrews were slaves and God sent, what was, Messiah, what was Moses? He was a Messiah. God sends a Messiah, a saviour, a type of saviour in Moses to Egypt. In fact, Moses was a precursor to Jesus. And in the life of Moses, prophetically, we have what Jesus would do. 
Matthew 1.21 says, and I love this text, and she'll have a son and you're to name his name Jesus for he will what? He will save his people, his people from their sins. Moses was sent as a saviour to the Hebrews. Jesus is sent as a saviour to the world. Now, there's an important part of this that a lot of people miss. Yes, Jesus is the saviour, but there's a man by the name of Lord Kenneth Clark. You may have heard of him. He put together a famous television series called Civilization, I think in the, in the 60s or 70s. And if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube and look at, look, look at this series called Civilization by this man, Lord Kenneth Clark. He was an agnostic at best, probably an atheist. But he once admitted that while visiting a beautiful church, he had what he believed to be a religious experience. And these are his words. He said, My whole being was irradiated by a kind of heavenly joy for far more intense than anything I'd ever known before. But he said there was a problem. Here I am in this church. I'm feeling this joy and I have experienced it. Have you? Have you experienced the joy I'm talking about? When Jesus comes into you, you know that that first time that you experience conversion and Jesus comes into your heart and the Holy Spirit descends upon you. Have you had it? It's a beautiful experience as the joy of the Lord comes upon you. You've got assurance of salvation. You realise your sins have been wiped out. The Saviour has come. Hallelujah. And it's the greatest experience a human being can have. And here in this church, Jesus came to visit Lord Kenneth Clark. But he said, what about my family? What about my colleagues, my television And he concluded, and these are his words in his autobiography, I was too deeply embedded in the world to change course. And he never did. Moses was Israel's type of saviour. But Israel had to choose to go with him. Jesus is the saviour. But if you want to walk this road to the promised land... And please, Lord, give me power when I say this. Jesus, Jesus is your saviour. But if you want to walk to the promised land, you've got to choose him. You've got to choose him. I have. Lord Kenneth Clark didn't. What will you do? So we have people in slavery. God sends a saviour. We are in slavery. God sends a saviour. See the parallels between the two stories? Now watch this, Exodus 6.13. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and I like this, and gave them orders... For the Israelites and for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. So you've got slavery, then a saviour is, is sent, and now the saviour brings salvation. Moses said, I've come in the name of Yahweh, of Jehovah Jireh, and I am here to lead you out of Egypt to the promised land. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you're facing today, no matter how dark, no matter how depressive 
no matter difficult your life is, Jesus, the same God, the same God, no matter where you are, no matter how challenging your circumstances are, and they, you might have enormous challenges, you just can't see a way out. But Jesus says, I am here. I am your saviour. I am going to lead you out. Choose him, follow him. Do you get what I'm saying? Choose him, follow him. Jesus will never let you down. I am here as a testimony to the fact that if you choose Jesus, no matter how difficult life is for you, Jesus will lead you out. He is the Saviour and He's come to this earth to take your sins and to lead you to salvation all the way to the promised land of heaven itself. And it's time we as a people started to believe that message. We're going to go through a time of trouble. We are. I don't know why God chose us. Where's Moses and, and, and Enoch and David and all the, the worthies of the Old Testament? Where are the mighty men of the New Testament? John, the apostle, Peter, Paul, that great apostle who died for the Lord. Where are they? Well, they're asleep. God chose you to walk through the end of time, through a more difficult time than anyone in the history of the world has ever been through. And he chose you because he knows. He created you. He knows you. And he knows that if you choose him as your saviour, he could have put Moses here or David or Paul or Peter or John. He chose you. To walk through because he knows that if you choose him as your saviour, if you take hold of his hand, Jesus will take you all the way home. Why would you fear when you've got Jesus? What can the world throw against you if you've got Jesus that you can't cope with? You more than cope through this time of trouble. You'll grow and you'll thrive and you'll become more strong and more powerful and more confident in God. Do you get what I'm saying? Because you have a saviour. He's walking with you. He's beside you. Just believe, take his hand and follow him out the door and all the way to Canaan. I like the way that text goes in Exodus 6.13. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to lead the people out of Israel. Mo Moses led the people out of Egypt in slavery because God commanded it. And today Jesus is here to lead you out of the world of slavery to freedom and heaven because God commanded it. You may not see him. He is here. And we as a church at New Hope, and if we can bring this community with us, we are on the way to heaven and the promised land. And we're on the way to heaven and the promised land because we're following the Saviour. Citizens of Feldrick, Austria, didn't know what to do. Napoleon's army was poised to attack. A citizens' council was called. Would they defend themselves against this vast army or would they surrender? It was Easter and they must have had a, a good pastor. Because this pastor rose to speak and this is what he said. Friends, friends, friends. We have been counting on our own strength and apparently that has failed. As it's Easter, let's just ring the bells, go to church and worship God and leave him to rescue us. I think that's what we've got to do. We've got to stop worrying about the stock market. 
We've got to stop worrying about the chaos even in our own personal lives. We've just got to ring the bells and worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. He's going to take us home. Just ring the bells and worship the Lord. Well, the council accepted the plan and the church bells rang, calling the people to worship. The enemy heard the bells, thought the Austrian army had arrived to defend the town. They broke camp and left. And that's what's going to happen to us. We're going to be in the most dire circumstances. We'll think there's no way through. The darkness will be so deep we can't see. And if we just ring the bells and worship the Lord, he's going to take us through. People say to me, how do I take the Lord as my saviour? Uh, how do I walk with him through the end of time? How do I face uh, job loss? Uh, uh, imagine what it's going to be like when you lose your job. Some of you may have already. How do I face job loss? Or I can't pay my bills or, 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 or I'm in trouble with the law or whatever's happened to you. I can't face it. The mountain's too big. How do I walk through with God? How do I do it practically? I'll tell you how to do it practically. Just worship God. You hear me? Just worship God. Get on your knees and pray. Spend time in the Bible. Come to church, sing, worship God, and he'll take you through. You don't have to to devise it. You don't have to organise it. You don't have to see your way through. Just worship God. That's what the people in Austria did when they faced their crisis, and it's what we need to do as we face our crisis. 